Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How you doing? Good? Yes. Well, that's great. Hey, I don't know if you can tell what we're talking about today in our part six of Boundaries. We're kind of bringing this series to a close, but uh, we brought um, our favorite coffee mugs out um, to kind of lead into what we're talking about today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about marriage. And um, we got these cups because uh, we learned early on in marriage that I am Eeyore. Everything is blue, right? (laughs) Any Eeyores out there? How many Eeyores? Yeah, like three of you? Yeah. Um, Because they don't... They're not going to respond. Eeyores do not respond. That is true. That is true. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) He's asking me to raise my hand again. (laughs) Okay, how many tiggers are out there? (laughs) Oh, I know! (laughs) There you go. And mine says at the back of it, it says, just bouncing around, and his says, oh, well. Oh, well. Um, Yes. Welcome welcome to uh, part six, last uh, week of Boundaries, and... uh, if uh, you're new today, welcome. Uh, we've been in this series uh, just taking a look at some healthy boundaries uh, to help us to be able to protect the things that matter most to us. And uh, we kind of set up throughout the series that boundaries are kind of like rumble strips. Uh, you may be familiar with those. Those are the little bumps on the side of the road um, that are, are warning signs that danger is on the other side. And uh, if we continue to head in a certain direction and go past those rumble strips, then we end up finding ourselves in a ditch. And I don't know about you, but it's a lot easier to avoid a ditch than to get out of a ditch. Amen. And uh, so we've just been looking at uh, different kinds of boundaries, different areas of our life. And uh, today we couldn't think of a better way to uh, bring this series to an end than to talk a little bit about some healthy boundaries in marriage. So we're going to talk about four boundaries. And for those of you that aren't um, married in the room, maybe you've walked through divorce, maybe you're waiting to get married, you know, just really take this moment and look at this in the aspect of relationships as well, because it's super important for us to set boundaries in relationships, but in our marriage. And don't you know that the enemy is attacking marriages in our nation and around our world? And so maybe that's not you today. Maybe you're, you know, you're not married right now. Pray for the people next to you, because we desire at Transformation Church to have healthy, happy marriages that we can be an influence outside of these walls um, to our world around us. And so just be praying for those that are around you. But this isn't just for marriage. If you're looking to be married, um, don't look around to the people around you and be like, hey, I'll do all these things, you know, um, but just really kind of... What's your digits? What's your... All right. So today's going to be, uh, today's going to be super practical. Um, we're going to hit four different categories just to kind of give you a heads up of where we're headed. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some boundaries in uh, relational boundaries within the context of relationships and marriage. We're going to give a couple accountability boundaries as it relates to marriage, a couple parenting ones and a couple uh, conflict ones. And then um, at the end of of today, uh, we're going to take a couple um, questions. And so during the service today, you'll see a number up on the screen. 
and you can type, uh, or I guess you wouldn't type, but you would text your uh, question to that number, and um, we'll pull a couple of those at the end um, of the talk today and uh, see if we can address those for you. But um, hey, a few tips to kind of get the most out of today. She talked about the first one. Hey, this is not just uh, for married couples, but it's anybody that ever plans on getting married at some point uh, in their life. But another big one that I want to stress today is as you start hearing some of the, the boundaries that we have in our own relationship, um, don't be like elbowing your spouse or your significant other. Like, like I know we had a tendency to, oh, that's a good one. He definitely needs to do that one, right? And then you walk out with like bruises on the side of your arms. Um, now take it, just kind of have your heart open to the things that might not just impact your, your marriage or your relationship, but you personally. Maybe there's something that we're going to talk about over the next 35 minutes or so that um, could be an area that the Lord is wanting you to grow in. And so just be um, open-minded with that. Um, the last thing I want to mention is as we've kind of laid out through this series, uh, that boundaries are not sin. Uh, they're warning signs that you're getting close to danger in your life. So as we begin to navigate through these, don't listen to these or hear these as, as us saying that if you do them, that it's sinful, um, because that's not the case. They're just warning signs to us. We would rather uh, experience a warning sign than experience catastrophe in our relationship. And so, uh, so we're going to share those. And then the, the other part is know this, that boundaries are not universal. So that means that what works for us may not work for you. Um, so listen to these. Maybe these begin, uh, become a conversation starter in your relationship. You may walk away and be like, no, I don't like any of those. But what I did think of in that service was this and this and this. And so these are really designed just to be um, a helpful tool to get you thinking about uh, healthy boundaries in your relationship. So disclaimer, our marriage is not perfect. We're not sitting up here saying that we have it all figured out. We have been married for almost 25 years, though. Yes. And, you know, yeah. Um, we asked our kids this week. So we don't get a lot of family dinners around the table. We wish we would, we would get more. Um, but we don't get a lot of those with kids in sports and just everybody going different ways. And so this week, it just kind of happened that we all had an evening, just the five of us sitting around the table. And one of the questions that we asked the kids were, okay, so we're talking about marriage this week. What do you see? Like what, so to be upfront and honest, we're very transparent around the table, um, around our dinner table. And, um, so Jordan said, she was like, I love how you guys communicate. I feel like you guys talk things out really well. We try, we don't really fight in front of our kids, um, but we let them know that we have conflict. And I think that that's important. You can't hide conflict from your children, but you can't also have them in a constant state of fear that, you know, mommy and daddy are always fighting. And so we try to communicate um, well in front of them. Journey said that we're way too affectionate and that it makes her sick and uncomfortable. Um, and so there's that. And then, of course, Jeremiah was like, I think you guys have issues and you probably need to go to counseling. So from the start to finish, we really don't know how we're doing, um, according to our family. But no, it was a great kind of conversation. But, but our marriage isn't perfect. And it's a lot of work. And the, the boundaries that we're going to share with you are things that we've worked through over 25 years, and we're intentional about it. 
It is a, an everyday choice. And, and that's the way it is in any of our relationships, with our friendships, with our coworkers. We have to be intentional with our relationship with the Lord. And so to think that a marriage is just going to work because you go to church, that's not the case. You have to be intentional with what you're doing and the communication that you're having. And so um, let's get started. Hey, before though we get started, we just want to give a quick shout out to a couple in our church that is celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary this week. Can you give it up for Mr. Paul and Miss Mavis Stevens? Where are you at? Can you wave? Way to go. Maybe you guys should be yeah, up here absolutely. doing this. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, let's jump right in. Remember, you'll see a, a number on the screens that you can send um, a text to. Um, we already know that uh, LeBron James is not in the house or the, uh, the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus. So if we get a text question from Santa Claus or something, we got it figured out. We know he's not here. But uh, yeah, shoot us a text and uh, we'd love to uh, try to answer a few of those at the end. But um, let's jump into the first um, First category, which is relational boundaries, and um, and here's one that um, that we've implemented. And again, uh, most of our boundaries have come through trial and error. They've been things that have been established on the other side of of you know failure or hurt or something like that. And so, um, so we're going to jump in uh, to this one. But uh, dangerous close. This is re uh, regarding relationships. Dangerous close when we expect our spouse to be more like us. Yes. Yeah. When we expect our spouse to be more like, the, like us. And um, I'll tell you right out of the gate, this was probably my biggest hurdle in our relationship when we got married because uh, we grew up in a totally different environments. She grew up in church and I didn't grow up in church. I was kind of forced to be more independent at an earlier age. Um, and uh, you were not. And, uh, and um, my personality was just such that, like, I was attracted to the different, but there was something about starting to live with the different at that point. And, um, and so I would, I would look at her weaknesses and I would compare them to my strengths. And it would just create a lot of tension in our relationship. And there were a couple tools that we, um, that we navigated probably about 10 years into our relationship. Um, and maybe you've heard of them. We did a personality assessment and there's a lot of them out there. Uh, but we did one that was called the DISC. And we did that um, because we were on staff at a church and it was something that we were doing as kind of team building within the staff. But what it opened my eyes up to was that, um, that God makes every person different, that we have unique personalities that where we have strengths in one areas and weaknesses in the others. And I just had this like, I had this like, I guess, I don't know if it was pride or what, but this, this lens of not seeing my own weaknesses, but hers being highlighted in comparison to my strengths. And uh, when we did that, it was just, uh, it revolutionized our relationship because then we started moving away from just kind of me doing my thing and her doing her thing to us recognizing that God has brought us together with 
I've got strength, she's strong where I'm weak, and I'm strong where she's weak. And we all of a sudden began to start functioning as a team, and uh, it just got so much more healthy. And, uh, and then after that, we also tried uh, one called the five love languages. Has anybody done, gone through the five love languages? If you haven't, I would highly recommend that you do that. It's a, a Christian-based, um, um, I guess, five-week um, uh, book or Bible study that you can go through. And it identifies, we all have five different love languages. And uh, these are the five acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, and physical touch. And uh, what I discovered about myself was that I'm acts of service and, and your words, words of, of affirmation. affirmation. And what we, and we actually did this study years ago when we were here before. We did a, a marriage um, small group at our apartment in Southwood. And what we found was that we are opposite, obviously. Everything that we do is completely different. We think differently. Decisions, everything we do is completely different. And one of the things we realized was the thing that he, the way that he felt love was the thing that I was the weakest in. And the thing that I felt love, he was the weakest in. So I have a really hard time with acts of service. I feel like everybody, if I have to do something, everybody should have to do it. Like, why do I have to do that for you? Like, I've raised very independent kids. At two years old, they could take their plate from the table to the sink. Why do I have to do that? You can, it's plastic. If you drop it, it's no big deal. We have a dog. They can pick up whatever. Like, and, you know, for him, words of affirmation, it was really difficult for him. He was like, why do I need to encourage you? I know if I've done a good job or not. You don't have to tell me. If I've done a bad job, I know that. If I've done a good job, I know that. And so we even realized that in our love languages, we were completely opposite. But we had to work on it. It, that's the intentional part, the intentionality of, you know, I'm going to do something for Ryan because that makes him feel like I've thought about him, I've considered him, I've given, you know, love to him. And one of the things that, you know, he had to know about me is that because he's so detail-oriented, excellence is so high that if I did something Maybe he could help me do it better the next time. Well, I didn't need help doing it better the next time. I want to know how, how well I did in that moment. And so really trying to be intentional on those things. We're not perfect. You know, these are probably still the things that we, we fight about the most, that we have conflict about the most in our family is, you know, is, are, are these things. But we've learned to work on it that even if it's a weakness of, me, of mine, have to do an act of service, I intentionally do that because I love him and I want him to feel that love. Yeah, and one of the light bulbs for me in this, um, if you've not gone through the the five love languages, is that we tend to love um, our spouse in the way that we receive love. And then we get frustrated because we feel like we are giving so much love, but we're missing, we're missing their heart because that's not how they're wired to receive love. And, and so frustration begins, and what we noticed too in our relationship was the, the most hurt happened um, also because she was, she's words of affirmation. So when we would early years get in arguments, um, what would I do? The anger would build up, and I would attack with my words, right? Not realizing how much that was cutting her because 
She's words of affirmation, so it builds her. She feels love when I speak positive about her, but what's she gonna feel when I'm speaking negative, when I'm coming out and I'm using really harsh words, she's gonna feel even deeper hurt. And so um, it really was a light bulb for us that helped us to, to kind of better understand, hey, we're not gonna try to make each other um, more like us. We're gonna accept who God has made us to be and, uh, and we're gonna try to do this as a team, not separate. Why don't you jump in the next one? Okay, so um, the next one is danger is close when we spend more time complaining about our spouse rather than praying Let's for them. Let's go! That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, you know, really kind of take a, a, a thought and really kind of look at how much are you complaining about your spouse and what they do wrong and how they're not enough and really think, how much am I praying for them? You know, um, I pray over Ryan and our kids daily for the favor of God to be on their life, that God would open up doors for them in their life. And I could complain about, well, the reason why they don't have these opportunities is because of this and this and this. Instead, I'm going to turn that into, Lord, open their heart, open doors for them, open ways for them for you to move in their life. And um, this was really, and I know I've, I've, I've shared this with you guys before, but in our first year marriage, I went to um, my mom, I called her up one day, he probably had said something that had hurt my feelings, and I started... That never happened. Yeah, and I started in on complaining, and my mom stopped me, and she said, you know, honey, I, I love you, but I'm not going to sit here and listen to you complain about Ryan. She was like, if you have a problem, you need to go to him, and I will pray, you guys will work this out, but if you're coming to me... My mom couldn't fix it. My mom could not fix it. Now, our, our parents can give us advice on ways to help fix, but she couldn't fix it. And so me going to her and complaining was, was not going to help anything. And so one of the verses that we have is, be anxious for nothing. It's Philippians 4, 6. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God. Pray for your spouse. There's danger that's coming in if we are not consistently praying for each other. You know, we pray for people in our small groups. We pray for people at our job. We, we need to pray for the people inside of our homes. We need to pray for our spouses and really ask the Lord. And not just for, Lord, change him. Lord, change her. You know? But Lord, help me. And, and one of the things that when we were dating, we only dated for three months and got married. But um, for two years before that, the Lord had really placed Ryan in my heart. And we've got a, a wonderful story. Just I was in love with him from a distance for, for years. And, and one of the things that the Holy Spirit did in those years of me praying for him was he changed my heart to begin to pray for him. Lord, help me be the woman to love him the way he needs to be loved. And so if we're praying for our spouses, not just Lord change them, but Lord change me. Change me so I can be the wife that supports him and loves him. Change me. And so pray for your spouse. Lift them up in prayer every day. Pray favor on them. Pray that they will have favor on their jobs and, and don't complain. It, it doesn't do anything. It really changes nothing. All it does is it makes us super harsh 
and very hard and calloused. You know, we, well, we'll keep going. Go ahead. We're done. I'll, I'll go to the next. All right, next I'll one. Accountability. Oh, is that me too? That's all you Okay. Do. So the next one is accountability and boundaries and accountability. So the first one was relational. This one is accountability, and it is important. If you want a healthy, pure marriage, be each other's accountability partners. There is nobody that can hold him more accountable than me. Because if he is having difficulties, I'm the one he needs to come to. If I'm having difficulties, he's the one that I need to go to. And so accountability in marriage, and, and we saw this in our very first year married. I had a, a very close friend. He's still a very close friend. His name is Christian. We were friends for years. Um, in fact, we even tried to go out on one date, and it was the most awkward, like, it was horrible. We The next morning, I called him. I was like, I... We, he was like, no, that was terrible. We were like brother and sister. And so we would go out to movies and do fun things and all of this. Well, then I got married. And so that, in that moment, became inappropriate. He's like a brother to me. He can call us at two o'clock in the morning. We, we we're very close with Christian. Uh, you know, Ryan always says it's the only guy other than my dad and my son that he's like, you can tell Christian you love him. I love Christian. He's like a brother to me. But in that moment when Ryan and I got married, it was no longer appropriate for me to go out to lunch with just Christian. And so what we did is we understood that danger is close when we allow ourselves to be alone with the opposite sex. Oh, I'm gonna say that again. We, you know danger. Oh, somebody needs to hear this today. Don't be flirting with that line. You draw a line in the sand that your life and your marriage is going to be a marriage of purity, that you don't find yourself alone with the opposite sex, that those temptations that the enemy is waiting for comes about, or even what would happen if somebody saw Christian and I out to lunch, just the two of us? Well, that just start, I mean, words start going. And that plants a seed in him. Don't trust her. Why was she out? It, and so what we would do, what Christian and I, now listen, Christian and I would still go out to eat once a week. We would go to lunch and we would debate theology and we would laugh and we brought our buffer and that was this man. And so he was just, I mean, he literally sat next to me so Christian and I could still have our time and we could talk. I stopped texting Christian. Christian was in a group text with Ryan. All of that, we, we went above, we're going to set some boundaries where it, it, we are going to be above reproach. That when people look, they won't say, oh, what's going on there? But they're going to see. And you know what happened? Christian and Ryan have become very good friends. And there were moments when Christian had struggles in his life that he didn't call me. He called him. And so we've got to know that we've got to set those boundaries that whenever we have someone in the op of the opposite sex and in our life that's a friend, that we still set those boundaries. Yeah, just uh, I want to stress too with that, we're not saying it's sin to do that. Yeah. It's just a boundary for us. Um, I, you know, we have staff lunch oftentimes and we won't, I won't jump into a car with one of the female staff members to drive somewhere. Like if I got to drive all by myself or they do or whatever, We'll do the thing that is harder in order to create the boundary 
just to protect, to keep us from the danger that's on the other side. It doesn't mean that um, you're not trustworthy or anything like that. It's just, it is a boundary to stay on the safe side of danger that's on, on the other side. Um, another one related to accountability is dangerous close when we have areas of our life that are off limits to our spouse. Areas of our life that are off limits to our spouse. I want to read uh, Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 4 through 6. It says, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, not his mother, not joined to his mother, guys. Like there's got to, when you get married, there's got to be a detachment at some point. Um, joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And uh, one of the things that we just determined on the front end of our marriage is that we're not gonna, we're not gonna live a married life where I'm bringing 50% of me and she's bringing 50% to make up 100%, but we're bringing 100%, I'm bringing 100, she's bringing 100, which means that we're bringing baggage, right? It means that we're not just bringing all of the positive things and the good things about us, but we're bringing some baggage along with us. But we just, we determined in our relationship as painful as it has been through that process that nothing was off limits, that um, she can grab my phone at any time, she can scroll through, she can see who I've called, she can check my text messages, she can jump on the internet, on my laptop, and check my search um, history. Like, and I know that something is off in my own heart when I get agitated about it. If I start to get defensive, then that's, telling, that's a trigger to me saying, all right, something's going on in me that would be triggered at the fact that she wants to jump in and to make sure that I am, I'm healthy and I'm doing the right thing. And so we've just kind of... We've created that, that boundary in our own life um, because at the end of the day, this is a statement you'll see on the screen, that it's okay to have privacy, but it's not okay to have secrecy. Yeah, so good. It's okay to have some things in your life that are private, but it's not okay to have things in your life that are secret. I love that statement, Ryan. And when, I, when we were going through this and I read that, you know, because there are things that are between me and God that I bring to the Lord that, it, you know... It, there are things that are, are private, but there's nothing secret. I don't hold secrets to him. There might be some things that I need to work out between me and the Lord before I bring to him, but that, that's so good because we have to make sure that when we try to keep things secret, it's really the enemy trying to keep things hidden. And, and things need to be in the light. And love covers a multitude of sin. And if we come to each other in honesty and in transparency, it's easier for us to accept that than if we find it coming through the back door, right? Like we're like, oh, that, that blindsided me. And so for us to be upfront, honest, transparent, but I love that it's okay for there to be some things between me and the Lord, but I, I'm not gonna keep things secret from you. And I think this is why Solomon wrote in Proverbs 28, 13, he said, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And I just find it fascinating that if we're gonna have secret things in our life that the Bible says we're not gonna prosper that way. Yeah. Our life is not gonna prosper if we have secrecy 
in our lives. You know, we're, we're moving on into parenting, and so we're going to talk about some parenting boundaries. But even with that, with this um, confessing our sins one to another, we allow our children to do that as well. You know, be a safe place that when they come to you with their struggles and with their sins, that we aren't bashing them, but instead we are encouraging them to get closer to the Lord. There are things that my, my kids, you know, share with me and they talk with me through. And, and I'm thankful for that they have that safe place to be able to come to me and, and, and talk to me. Um, but we need that with each other as well. So one of the um, dangers in parenting boundaries, this is really good. So, and, and because my mama taught me this, a danger, um, danger is close when we love our kids, but tolerate our spouse. Oh, and, and my mom said, your children are wonderful blessings to your life. And she told me, she said, honey, let them be the icing on the cake, but they will leave. And you will be left with the man that started it all. And if we don't keep this relationship close then when our children leave and our life has been wrapped up, and listen, it's easy for our lives to get caught up in sports and, and uh, carpooling and uh, the activities and all the things, but if we don't keep our marriages strong, when they leave, it's going to be, who are you again? And so we can't love our kids and just tolerate our spouse. We have to love our spouse. Ryan and I, let me tell you, I've said to him, this to him so many times, babe, it's me and you against the world. We, if, if we're going to fight something, we're going to fight it together. If we're going to face something, we're going to face it together. I'm not just going to tolerate him. He is my partner for life. My children are a blessing. I love them so much, but this is my love. This is my man. And so we have to, as, as spouses, we have to understand that we're going to do a lot for our kids and we're going to love our kids, but we've got to invest in each other just as much, if not more, than investing in our kids. And our kids are going to see it. When they see a strong, healthy marriage, it puts them at peace. It really, it relaxes, it allows them to understand mom and dad are okay. Mom and dad are fine. And so don't just tolerate, I don't just tolerate you. As Journey says, I'm, I love you. It makes her uncomfortable. Um, and you. A couple practical, uh, practical things with that is um, protect your, your date nights. Yeah. And I know that for us, we've gone through seasons where it was easier and, and seasons where it was harder. Um, there was a period of time where when they were in school, like it got so crazy at the end of school that we would do our date nights during the day and we would grab a, a matinee movie and lunch and, and that would be it. Now we're kind of in an interesting season of life because we, we talk about going out on a date and it sounds great in the moment. And then at like 5.30 on Friday, we look at each other and we're like, we're just so tired. Like, <laughs> let's just grab food and go home and watch TV. I'm like, you know what would be a great date night? We can watch an old Law and Order and we can order in food and be asleep at 8 o'clock. That is wonderful. 
So, you know, just try to do what you can to protect that. Another thing that we do is, I mean, pretty much every year uh, we try to get away, um, mm-hmm. just the two of us. So um, if we're going with a family somewhere, it's not really a vacation. It's like a family trip. Um, if a vacation is she and I getting away and going somewhere, whether it's a cruise or going to the beach or or if the, the schedule's crazy, we'll sneak in like a, a two-day getaway here and there. But just trying to honor that relationship, trying to be intentional to, um, to protect the relationship, to make sure that, that she and I are growing closer and stronger, not apart as we navigate the, the years of parenting. Um, another uh, parenting boundary is dangerous close uh, when parenting isn't a team effort, yeah. when it's not a team effort. You know, I do have to say that this is probably another one of our um, conflict that we have to work through. We are, there are moments, and, and I don't know if you guys feel this ever, but like there are moments where we're like, oh no, I'm doing more. I am doing so much. And he's like, no, I'm doing so much. And it's almost like this competition of who's doing more. And so it starts to build this kind of resentment of like, I'm doing more than you're doing. And instead of us allowing it to be a team effort with parenting, where I took on the school, like the schooling, that was my part. But I knew that if I needed him in a parent-teacher conference, all I had to do was say, change your day. You got to go with me. And, and so there was that parenting of like that teamwork of like, I'll take this part. You take the driving part. Um, <laughs> I would take everything. That's teaching the kids how to drive. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not a good driver anyway. You don't want me teaching my kids how to drive. So, but, but really being that team where, where we're working together and not competing with each other of saying, I'm, I'm doing more. More of it's falling on my shoulders. Sometimes we need to release some of that and say, you know what? I can't do this. I'm going to set this boundary. I need for you to pick up this part. And so that's, that's part of that danger is close when you're not parenting as a team and you're kind of separating. All right, let's jump to uh, the last one, conflict. Here's a couple conflict uh, boundaries. So danger is close. When we intentionally push each other's buttons. Any button pushers out there? Yes. Oh, yes. Um, look at this, First Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 7 through 9. It says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you uh, live with your wives and treat, it's not condoning multiple wives, by the way, um, and treat them with Respect. This word uh, respect in the original language means to value at a high price. And uh, I think oftentimes we can skip that part and go straight to the the weaker partner part. And what scripture is telling us is that we guys have to elevate to have this this high value of uh, our wife. And it says as the weaker partner and as heirs with you, of the uh, gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I, I read that like last year and something really jumped out to me that I had not noticed before. But if you notice that last part, guys, the way that we treat our wife will determine whether God hears our prayers or not. Mm-hmm. Dang, that is powerful. Yeah. 
That is powerful. Like if we're mistreating our wife and then we're over here like just praying and, and spending time with God, God's like, you know what? Why don't you take care of what I've asked you to take care of first? Why don't you value your spouse? Why don't you um, respect your spouse and then come back to me and to pray a little bit? And so that was something for me that was just kind of eye-opening. Verse eight says, finally, um, all of you, meaning husband and wife, be like-minded. Like have, have, the, have the same vision for your marriage, the same vision for your family. When you have differing visions, then it creates um, tension in the relationship. It says, be like-minded, be sympathetic. Yeah. I think that's uh, sympathy is, is a value that is missing in our culture today. Uh, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate. And then this, la- this last part, uh, the H word, um, really to, to us has been the make it or break it quality. And that's to be humble. Because when you're not humble, when you're prideful, then you carry, oh, look what I'm doing compared to what you're doing. Or you made the mistake and I don't have that struggle in my life. And so everything in your relationship becomes finger pointing. But when we walk in humility and we recognize that, listen, I'm missing it and you're missing it, let's hold each other accountable and let's try to do better together rather than feeling like all this like, like pride that I got it together and you don't have it together. It just, it made such a huge difference in our marriage. And one of the things that was really kind of uh, funny about that is because of the level of humility that was there, we would find ourselves getting into like real arguments And then after like an hour of just not talking to each other, sometimes multiple hours, I don't know if you kind of ever do the whole silent thing, like, like where you just choose, you're not going to say anything. Um, And uh, we would do that. And then one of us would just start laughing and we would realize like, why are we doing this? Like, I'm sorry, you know, and we would apologize and you can't, you can't be apologetic without humility. And, um, and that goes a long way. Um, so one of the things too with this about intentionally pushing the buttons and, and really understand this, and this is one of the things that for me, so I, you know, you have your boss at work, right? And you're, you you know, they're going to, they're going to say something to you. They're going to do something. And so you choose not to push buttons because why you lose your job, but yet we will go home to the person that we are to love the most. And we will say the thing and we will push the button because we don't respect that relationship as much as we do the paycheck. And let me tell you, that was something like, if if I'm gonna show any person respect, it's gonna be this man. And, And the reason why I'm going to is not because he deserves it or I deserve it or anything, it's because that's what God tells us to do. And so if I'm going to show that respect outside of my home, I'm going to show that respect inside of my home. And danger is close. This is the last thing. Verse 9. Okay, do not repay. Oh, that's good. I'll, I'll read verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because, this, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. This morning you prayed over us in your office. 
And you thank God for the blessing of our life. And I'm so thankful for our relationship, not because it's been easy, but honestly, because it's been hard. Because we have seen God, that song today of working miracles, we have seen miracles that God has worked in this relationship, not because it was easy, not because we were the same person or we thought the same way, or we, but it was hard, it was tough. And we can see a blessed life and not a perfect life, but a blessed life and our kids see it. And I, I just encourage you, invest, this is, this is all that matters. Our relationship with each other, our love one for another, that's really all that matters. The house, the car, the job, the college, the sports, the, 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 that's just icing. This is what's really, this is what's important. And I encourage you guys, this is our last one, danger is close when we want to prove a point rather than find a resolution. You don't have to be right. It's okay to say, you know what, I was wrong. I was wrong. Please forgive me. It's not easy to say, but it's so healthy. It's so healthy in all of our relationships. Have that boundary where you don't have to be right. Listen, if you have to be right, then you will be alone. You will be alone in life if you always have to be right. People will avoid you. They will walk away. Like, you don't have to be right. Build that relationship with each other, with your kids, with your friends, where you can look at them and say, you know, I was wrong. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And what the other person does with that, listen, that's, that's on them. But us walking humbly with each other, Ephesians 4.32 says, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We have a couple of questions here that we want to just kind of go through, and you guys sent some, some questions in, but um, one of them is, how do you show your kids you have conflict but not fight in front of them? That's a good one. That's a really good one. You know, Ryan grew up in, in a home where there was a lot of conflict. There was a lot of fighting. It was very volatile. And so for him, that was real important that we, uh, you know, he would get very uncomfortable and almost even more angry if we would have a conflict out in public or in front of people or in front of our kids. And, and, and for me, I, I, we had to find that balance because I wanted to fight in front of our kids. I wanted to fight fair, though. And I think that that's the difference. See, we fight, but we fight fair. We don't do those digs that are the, the words. We're going to fight in, in front of our kids the way we, we fight in private. We're not going to do those digs, those words that I, I could. I, listen, I've got all the words. I can cut them down with my words. She's the one that has, are you, like I'm the guy that thinks of the thing that you wish you could have said in the moment like 20 minutes later. I'm the 20 minutes later. She's the one that thinks of them in the moment. I mean, I got to gotta bite my tongue. But you know which one's harder? Just thinking them in the moment and not saying them. 
It's the, it's this filter called the Holy Spirit saying, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Um, I, I would say like, I guess my response to that is, um, and you have to hear like when, when she talks about, we don't, you know, I don't, I don't remember how you said it about the kids like seeing or whatever, but that was something that we had to grow into. It didn't just start that way. But for me, the, the love languages and the personality thing helped me have a better understanding of what my anger level, when it started to rise and then it spilled out, what kind of damage it was doing inside of her, her heart. And so there were a couple things that we created, um, I would say probably 10 years or so into our marriage, but... Um, one of them is kind of like a space where she knows, like, if I'm start, if we're having a conversation and we're arguing, and I'm starting to feel that rise and rise and rise, um, I look at her and I tell her, I just I need a couple minutes, and I and I step out of the room, and she knows that I'm not walking away from the issue. Yeah. She knows I'm going to return back and we're going to have a conversation, but I just need to. I need that water that's boiling on the inside. I need that to kind of settle before I can lean into that conversation. And uh, that was something for me that, that made a big difference. And, and, we, and we have the conflict in front of each other. So we don't have conflict in writing. We have the conflict, because you, you don't know the tone behind the words. So we, we have the conflict in front of each other, but we don't, and even with our kids, they don't just walk out of the room. We all, if you need a minute, you have to say, I need a minute. It's that respect one to another. And so having conflict in front of the kids, even if we have an argument outside of their presence, we tell them about it. We kind of just bring it up and we're like, hey, you know what? Daddy and I fought today. And this was kind of our, and, and we allow them to be, so that they know that we're not perfect. Because you know what would be worse? Is if we didn't allow them to see conflict or no conflict, and then they think, well, why is my marriage so hard? Mom and dad never had to fight. You know, and so we want them to have that kind of safe place to be able to do that. I hope that answers it. Um, so another good one is how do you healthily, healthfully vent? So venting to each other in a healthy way. Yeah, I think, um, well, I just answered, I guess, part of that. But another thing is, is, is cluing her that I'm getting ready to come with something heavy. Um, Don't so, just drop it. Be like, yeah. give them a heads up. Yeah, like just a, a heads up that I've got, babe, I got to talk to you about, you know, something and she can kind of feel the weight of it. Um, mm -hmm. We'll typically sit down in the living room. Um, I make sure now, I didn't used to do this, but I make sure that I don't raise my voice. I kind of stay consistent in, you know, the way that I'm talking and try to navigate my own emotions to make sure that I don't, I don't step outside of, you mm -hmm. know, what would be, um, you know, hurtful uh, to you would be one of, mm -hmm. one of the things that I do. Yeah, I think too is knowing the moment. And so there are things that I, you know, that I may bring to him that were disappointing and, and he doesn't want to disappoint me. And so that's hard for him. That's the hardest thing for me when the arguments is to know that I either failed her or disappointed her. And ladies, I don't know if all the guys are wired that way, but I know a lot of guys are that a lot of times the, the, anger that you see rise up is not the real 
thing that is in their heart. The anger is a, is a, a byproduct of, of the fact that they've, they've disappointed you. Because deep down in their heart, you are their princess yeah. and they want, or queen, and they want to, to honor you and they want to love you and they want to provide for you. And when we realize that we've done something that has brought more pain, um, then it, it just creates this like emotion that sometimes it's hard for us to navigate through that. There, there's two more that I want to go through real quick. And um, so the first one is, how do you make intentional date nights happen if money is tight? And I think that's a great, you know, we talked about, we did um, dates where we didn't have to do childcare. We did, you know, we, we had Fridays off of work. And so when they were in school, we would go to a $5 movie. Tuesdays, there's $5 movies all day if you want to, but but Friday morning, we would go do an early, we would do a lunch. Uh, we would just grab a cup of coffee and sit and talk. Um, you know, you know, put the kids to bed and, and sit in, in, a, in a room where you can just have a conversation or, you know, get something sweet from public, something, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive. It's just that quality time together. Um, and so you can find ways to do it. It doesn't have to be extravagant. The most important thing is that you're spending time with each other. And so a, a cup of coffee and, and a little cupcake, something like that, you can make that work and, and um, your relationship. But I think, oh, go ahead. I just want to add to that. One of the things that I learned is that every once in a while, she'll say, like, I feel like we're getting distant. And it's because... I'm busy, she's busy, our schedules are kind of crossing over, and the only time that we're really together is when we're vegging out, watching a little bit of TV before we go to bed. And, um, you know, just being intentional that I know for her, she wants to know about my day, and she wants to know what's going on and what I did, and some of the little things, and I'll be honest with you, like, it, there's a part of me that gets annoyed with that, because it's like, I don't want to feel like I have to, like, regurgitate my entire day, but... But if I don't have those conversations with her, whether it's over coffee earlier in the morning before the kids get, wake up or back porch or whatever, then she starts to feel more distant and disconnected. And, um, and so just trying to find those, like she's saying, you don't have to spend money. Just find a park, go for a walk, yeah. go for a walk around go the neighborhood. Go for a walk. That um, is wonderful. Because yeah. you're just walking around holding hands talking. And it, it, going for a walk is great. The last one is this. How can you best support and encourage your husband to be the spiritual head and leader of your home, especially when you as a female carry more leadership traits or have a more dominant personality? You know, I, I wanted to address this one because when Ryan and I got married, he had been a Christian for two years. I had got saved when I was five years old. So who knew more of the Bible stories? I did. And so for me, for him to be the spiritual head of the house, it wasn't just that I had to take a, a back seat. That's not it. I had to encourage him in the word. I encouraged him as the leader of our home. When I would see him do things and step out in things that maybe was a little more uncomfortable for him, I would you know, encourage him and be like, that was awesome. Thank you for praying over us. Thank you for praying for our kids. You know, it, it was... 
it started out where he was reading Bible stories out of a picture Bible. They were cartoons. You know, I didn't look down at him at them and be like, why don't you know, you know, the book of Leviticus? It was, I, that's awesome. Thank you for, you know, diving into the word of God. Let's dive into this together. But the moment, honestly, that it switched, and I, and I, I remember seeing it happen, I was like, it was, it was a little difficult for me. Because at one point, I knew all the spiritual things. I knew I was, I had all the revelation and inspiration. And all of a sudden, my, I can sit there and my husband will say something. I'm like, oh, it, it speaks volumes to me. And so ladies, encourage your husbands to be the spiritual head of your home. It doesn't mean you take a back seat. I mean, I am a partner in this relationship. But I want him and I want my children and I want you to be everything God has called you to be. Why would I step in that way? And so for you as a woman, if you, if you desire for your husband to be the head of the home, pray for him. Encourage him. And when he does take that step and he starts to fail, it's okay. Don't be like, oh, well, I would have done it better and I would have prayed for this better and why aren't you doing this? No, just... It, pick him up like you would a sister in Christ or another brother in Christ and say, that's all right. Let's dust it off. Let's try it again. You know, allow your husband to be the spiritual head of your home. And, and men, don't take that as a, as a moment to be the dictator. Because Christ said that you are supposed to love your wife as he loved the church and gave his life for it. Everything you do is for her. You lay down your life for her, for your children. Let her feel that love. Let her feel that comfort and that safety. And, and I, I, I promise you, the Holy Spirit will begin to empower you to lead your home spiritually. I would add to that, uh, ladies, um, men respond best when they feel honored and respected. And most of us guys are not where we wanna be. Um, but if we feel like the finger is getting pointed and we're being told we're not good enough here, we're not good enough there, a lot of times guys will, will respond negatively to that. One of the things that she did is she kind of flipped that around and was very encouraging and lifted up and spoke potential and life. Like she was speaking purpose into me before anybody else was speaking purpose. And she saw things in me that I couldn't see inside of myself. And so my question to you, if that's, that's your prayer is when was the last time that you spoke purpose into your husband? Um, Maybe change, maybe begin to shift into that mode instead of complaining, or I'm not saying you are, or, or pointing fingers, but start to honor and respect and speak purpose. And guys, just recognize, like, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the order at which God has set the home is that men, we, we should be the spiritual leaders. And we live in a culture today where men have kind of deferred that to the woman or just pulled away and we get 
caught up playing video games and sports and fishing and hunting and just basically were a teenager wrapped into a 40 or 50 year old body, right? And I just, I wanna challenge you guys, like, like what would it look like if the men of God would rise up and be who God has called them to be? What would it look like if we just manned up, right? The way that we tell our kids, our boys to man up in sports and everything that they do, like what if we did that in our spiritual lives? Like what, what would our families look like? What would our church, what would our community look like? If men started walking into this, not, we didn't walk in here at the end of the second song, <clears throat> um, <laughs> but we came 15 minutes early. And what if, what if people started walking through these doors and there were 50 guys lined up in the altar seeking the Lord before the service? Like what if there were men that were leading their homes and leading their kids and men that were leading small groups and serving and doing all, what, what, what would our relationships look like? What would our life look like? What would our church look like? Our communities look like? I guarantee you it would be breathtaking and I guarantee you it would be a journey of a lifetime. Listen guys, don't settle, don't play average, don't settle for ordinary when God has extraordinary for your life. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.